Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. Turn to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. So on our survey trip, numerous missionaries told us that people are going to ask you the same question. The Chilean people are going to ask you the same question. And we did hear this question. Why would you move to Chile if you're from the United States? Why would you move to Chile if you're from the United States? Chile is one of the most prosperous countries in Latin America, but compared to living here in the United States, it's still pretty far below to the standards we have. Um, again, there's, there's a lot of things that are bad in the United States, but unless you've been to or lived in any other foreign country, whenever you come home, you appreciate the freedoms that you have here. Do not take granted the freedoms you have in the United States. As bad as things get, and as weird as things get with COVID and whatever vaccines, do not take for granted the freedoms you have here. Right now in Chile, in order to go anywhere and do anything, on your phone you have to have a QR code that says that you've been vaccinated, that the country has validated your vaccines, and you have to scan that code at every single place you go to. Whether it's the grocery store, or out to eat, or the movie theater, or whatever it is, Every citizen, whether it's a foreign citizen or a national citizen or whatever, has to have this QR code on their phone to literally go anywhere. Any police officer can stop you on the street and ask for your QR code to make sure that you've been vaccinated. So do you appreciate the freedoms that you have here? Yes, I appreciate them because we're going to face the same thing when you go down there. And We had you on a survey trip. We had to get our QR code validated. It took more than two days to do it while we are down there but we couldn't go out legally unless we had that QR code. So people ask us, why are you going down to Chile if you're from the United States? And they're gonna, they ask us that question for a reason because the American dream is still a real thing. People from other countries still wanna move to the United States, even as far as Chile, even as far as around the world, people from other countries wanna be here, so never take that for granted. But a bigger question that I wrestled with was not that, but is could God ever use someone like me to do his will. Could God ever use someone that was so deep in sin, had no desire to know anything about God, ever be used by him? And I think it's a question that many of us in this room have, have asked, and I think still struggle with today is, could God ever use me because of my struggles, because of my sins, because of anything that I've been through? Is there even anything left for him to use? And I think a lot of us in this room have asked that question, or maybe struggled with that question. And even I, even to this day, still struggle with that question sometimes. But I believe many of us have felt that. Friday night, we learned principle, or simple steps number two, that we can never be too dirty for God. And that was such a good um, illustration for tonight. Because in Mark chapter 5, there's, this is the account of an unlikely missionary who for a long time, everyone thought was too dirty to even live in their town. This guy ends up preaching in 10 cities, 10 Gentile cities. This is about a person who was cast aside, laid for waste, he was a burden to society. He was a man looked down. But it's really an account of God's power. So let's turn to chapter 5, verse 1. 
chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, And they came over, so this is Jesus and the disciples, they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. So pause here. Does anyone know what happened right before this passage? Right before this passage, the disciples and Jesus were on the boat, and there was a storm. And the storm, they, all the disciples thought they were going to die. And Jesus is like, you guys have little faith, like it's going to be all right. And Jesus calms the waves, he calms the sea. And the disciples are starting to really question, who is Jesus? Who is he? Um, is he like, they're really starting to wonder, and they're starting to fear this. So this happens right, right after that, verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So Matthew and Luke give two parallel accounts of this. Um, Matthew talks about two guys with an unclean spirit, um, but Luke and Mark only mention this one man, which is interesting. So as soon as they get out the boat, this guy just runs up to them immediately, and he's a guy who is possessed by demons. Verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder under, by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting themselves with stones. Was this guy kind of different? Yes or no? Yes, this is not a guy that you normally come across in everyday life. He was possessed by demons. He has supernatural strength. Um, Luke said that he was unclothed, that he'd been out there for a long time. So this is a guy that the society pretty much cast away and said, do not live in our city, go live out there. Verse 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So this isn't the man worshipping him. This is the demons that come and bow down before Jesus and cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I adjure, I beg thee by God that thou torment me not. The demons knew who Jesus was. And superstition in that time said that if you could name a demon by its name, that it would deter them. So the demons thought they could do the opposite. They named Jesus by his real title, which is interesting. They knew who Jesus was. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. They recognized who Jesus was. And they were wondering, why is he here? Why is he here to bother us? Because it was not their time. They knew what was, they knew what was coming. Verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So Jesus tells the demons, Get out of this guy. Verse 9, And he, Jesus, asked him, what is thy name? And he, the demons, answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So Jesus doesn't ask these demons what their name is for his knowledge. Jesus knew who they were. He's asking the demons their name for our knowledge, for the people around them to kind of get the gravity of the situation. And they say they're a legion. Legion is a Roman military unit of 6,000 men. So were there 6,000 demons? I don't think there were. I think, he was, I think they were trying to intimidate him and the people, but there was definitely more than one. Verse 10, And he besought him that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And this is where it gets weird. And all the devils besaw him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. So instead of going into the abyss, going out of the country, they want to possess these pigs because that's how evil they were. They couldn't, they couldn't stand not possessing something, so they go and possess this herd of pigs. Verse 13, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. So he accepted the request, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, 
and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. That's the destruction of these demons. They possess these pigs, and these pigs just run down the hill, off the cliff, into the ocean, and they drown. And you're thinking, why in the world did Jesus do that? I think for a couple reasons. He wanted the people to see the evilness of these demons, but he also wanted, you notice that these demons couldn't move until Jesus told them what to do. He had complete control over these demons. And the reality is, did Jesus really care about these pigs? It's unfortunately, no. So if you have pigs, I'm sorry. But in the grand scheme of things, he really didn't care about the pigs. But the people sure did. So verse 15, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. Him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothing, meaning he was not clothed before, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Him that was possessed with the devil. Here's a guy that was possessed with the devil, just sitting here, calm as day, in his bright man, bright mind. For these people that were in the city, that was a scary sight to see this guy who was out there living like a wild animal to just sitting there in his bright mind. They could not believe what they just saw, and they were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus. You know what's interesting is they didn't mind that this crazy guy was living outside, right? They didn't mind that. Do you know what they cared about? This crazy guy who was healed, who was set free, that scared these people more than him just sitting out there crazy. And that society today, you think about it, the world is okay, the society is getting crazier and crazier and crazier, but the second you talk about Jesus, nope, not having it. I don't care that society is getting crazy, but if you talk to me about Jesus, I'm not having it. That's the same mindset these people had. Verse 18, And when he was coming to the ship, he that was possessed with the devil prayed him, that he might be with him. Think about this. This is the third time this guy has had this title, he that had been possessed with the devil. I mean, any other title this guy could have had, he could have had a normal name like Mark or John or Son of Thunder or something, but his title is he that had been possessed with the devil. So it's kind of unfortunate for him, but imagine if someone on Friday night showed up and you say, hey, what's your name? Oh, they call me he that had been possessed with the devil. Oh, that would be a story I might want to hear about, right? Consider that as we kind of close in this. There are three things that we have in common with this person. One, answer these questions. Was I once an unsaved sinner destined for an eternity in hell? Yes. Has God shown great mercy to me by shedding his blood on the cross to pay for my sins? Yes. Do I have a testimony and a story to share about God's mercy in my life? Yes. If you answered yes to those three questions, then you're pretty much the same as this guy, he that had been possessed with the devil. Because that was his same testimony at this point. And he wants to stay with Jesus. He wants to go with him. But look at verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, he would not allow him to come with, but saith unto him, Go home and tell to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion. Go home and tell them, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for me. Go home, go home. There's two things this guy, Jesus commands this guy to do. Go home and tell them. Go home and tell them. What's the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things. What's Jesus saying to the disciples there? Go and teach. Go and tell. What's he saying to this man that had possessed the devils? Go home. Go home to thy friends and tell them. 
Go home to thy friends and tell them. Verse 20. And he departed and began to publish, preach, in Decapolis, ten cities, not just one, ten cities, how great things Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. All of them marveled. All of them marveled. He obeyed. He obeyed. This man has two titles. The first one is, number one, he that had been possessed of the devil. And the second one is, he that the Lord have done great things for. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 40. We'll close here. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. This is the same account, but just they add one more thing here that Mark doesn't. It says this. And it came to pass, so this is later on, when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. This man, who was once possessed of the devil, goes and preaches to ten cities. He preaches to thousands of people. And when Jesus comes back, they were gladly waiting for him. That's a big difference from before when they wanted Jesus to get out of there, right? They said they prayed that he would leave. And after this man preaches to ten cities, to thousands of people, when he comes back, Jesus, the people gladly received him. I'm not here today because someone argued creation and evolution or someone debated mindless philosophical thoughts. I'm here today because someone shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. I trust in Christ as my Savior, knowing that good works don't save me, Stopping sinning doesn't save me. Being good doesn't save me. But simply putting my faith in Jesus Christ alone and the finished work of Jesus, that saved me. That's why we're going to Chile. That's why we're going to Chile. We're going home and we're telling them how great things the Lord have done for thee. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our pastor. Just thank you for your word that it's, it's convicting, that it challenges us all all of us, and that all of us can preach the gospel. All of us are qualified to preach and to share and to go and tell how great things you have done for us. But Lord, just pray that you use us, pray that you use my family just to be just another family that goes out and just does your work, but knowing that we're no different than anyone in this room and that anyone here can go and fulfill the Great Commission. And Lord, just thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you that salvation, going to heaven, is a simple, simple thing. It's simply putting our faith in you alone, grace alone, faith alone. And let's never, never forget about that. In Jesus' name, amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262 262- or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.